<laughs> if in your life you have ever faced a difficult situation, it's funny that that would be the topic this morning, but if you've ever faced a difficult situation in life uh, where you knew that God could do something, but he didn't do the something that you thought he could do, and as a result it was confusing to you, it's like, why is God not doing what I know he can do? then you can probably relate to the story of the prophet named Habakkuk. Uh, and if you've missed the first two weeks, or if your memory's like mine and you, you were here, you just don't remember, uh, let me just lay a little bit of a foundation for the story uh, and where we're at. Basically, the story or the, the, the situation happened around 600 B.C. Habakkuk was one of the 12 minor prophets um, that God would use to take messages to the people. Uh, the situation for Habakkuk was a little bit different, though, because Habakkuk, unlike all the other prophets who took a message from God to the people, Habakkuk took a message to God from the people for the people, but then the people actually had a message back for God. And the reason that the people had a message back for God is because God's initial message kind of threw them off. I mean, the initial message kind of made sense where God said, listen, uh, you are now corrupt and you are sinning and you are evil, and so I'm going to judge you and there's going to be a problem. And, and probably when Habakkuk first heard that and he knew he had to go tell the people that, he was like, all right, I don't really want to deliver this message. I don't really want to tell them this. But you're right. You're right, God. We are corrupt and we are vile and we have become violent. I understand. But then the part that got Habakkuk a little wigged out was where God said, I'm going to use some people that are actually more evil than you are to destroy you. And at that point, Habakkuk's like, uh, what? what? No, this is not okay, God. This is not... Because basically what God was going to do is he was going to use some people that were even worse than the Israelites, the Babylonians, who were more violent, who were meaner, who were more corrupt, who were cheaters in every way. He was going to use these horrible, horrible people to punish some mildly horrible people. And Habakkuk's like, that doesn't seem fair. Habakkuk's actually like, we protest. We, we, we say this is not okay. We're saying, God, you're a just God, and this doesn't seem just. This does not seem okay. And if in your life you've ever experienced something like that, where there was a moment where you thought, God, you can stop the burglars from breaking into our church and stealing the safe, this doesn't seem fair. Like, if you've ever gone through something like that, you can probably relate to the story of Habakkuk. And last week we acknowledged that sometimes when life has not gone the way that we thought it should go, when life has gone differently than we planned or differently than we had hoped, when it seems like God could have helped and maybe he should have helped in our mind and it didn't and it went differently than that, we talked about last week that sometimes it feels like our life has, has driven off the road and we've landed in the ditch. And now we're stuck in the ditch. And we talked last week about what do you do when you're waiting in the ditch? What do we do when life is off its rails a bit and we're in the ditch and now we're just waiting? What do we do? This morning we're going to wrap up the story of Habakkuk and talk a little bit more about what do we do to get out of the ditch. In this whole series this summer, we've been talking about this idea of revision. And as we've been talking about revision, the idea is that oftentimes our past situations, the things that have happened in our past, sometimes those decisions by other people or the decisions we've made, those moments or those circumstances that just don't seem to make sense or have us going in a certain way, sometimes it feels like we're stuck by those situations. And so what we've been challenging ourselves to do is to begin to revision our lives look at things in a new way and, and not get stuck in the past and get stuck with what's happened and to revision and see what God could have for us and maybe there's a new reality for what God wants to do in our life. And to do this, we've been looking at different characters out of the Old Testament um, and typically a characters or situations that we've not heard of before. And my guess is many of you have not heard of Habakkuk until the last couple of weeks or didn't know his story very well. So this morning we're going to look at the last chapter of Habakkuk and see if we can bring some hope, maybe some direction, um, when we find ourselves in the ditch and when we're trying to get things 
back in order and see if we can make some sense out of situations when they don't seem to make sense. This morning we're in chapter 3, and what we're going to see from Habakkuk, we're going to see some very remarkable and powerful responses by a guy who's been very confused. By a guy who, in the middle of circumstances, haven't really seen the circumstances change. He didn't like where he was at. They didn't necessarily change. They haven't actually been fixed. And yet we're going to see Habakkuk's faith and his desire to worship God reach a depth that was even greater than before it started. If you're familiar much with the New Testament, there's a place where Jesus' brother James actually writes some, some ideas or some thoughts that kind of fit with this. James actually writes, he says, Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds, when life is not going the way you think it should go, and there's all kinds of difficulties. Understand and know that your faith being tested develops perseverance. And when our perseverance is developed, it begins to finish the work that God has started in us and brings us to a place of maturity and completeness. It's those moments in the ditch that God can do things through us. And so oftentimes people will say, man, I really want an intimate faith with God. I really want to know Him at a very deep level. We just don't recognize that oftentimes that happens best in the ditch. And God's faithfulness becomes more evident when we're in the ditch. And one of the greatest ways for us to develop faith and develop a faith like chapter 3 is when we spend time in the ditch and we get to look to God to do some things in our life. So let's look in Habakkuk and see what it has to say. So we're in Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 1. It says this, a prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet, on... You know what I was thinking about this week? Um, we, I have to do most of the speaking, and I don't feel like we do enough group reading around here. And so um, basically what we're going to do is I'm just going to read up until that last word, and then you guys all shout it out. Uh, a prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet on... That's how I was going to say it. Good. Thank you. Um, how you pronounce it, I don't know. Actually, what it means, it's a little bit... Tra- you know, scholars argue about what it means. Scholars way smarter than me argue about... Basically, the idea, it's probably some sort of like musical setting for a song. Like It's sort of determining like how this song is going to go. Like Will Smith actually used it later on. Um, he actually just used the term getting jiggy with it. It's the same. They're the same thing, I think, somewhere. It's just how the song goes is all we know. So we're, we're getting jiggy with it. Here's what Habakkuk says. He says, <laughs> I don't even know what is it, where are we at. Yep, okay. <laughs> Lord, I have heard your fa- of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. Oh, Lord, renew them in your day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. Basically, what Habakkuk is saying is, God, I, I, I've heard about your miracles, And God, I've seen your power, and I've heard about your glory. And and God, I remember that you've done some God things. You're just not doing them now. And I remember what you've done, and and I've remembered how you've acted in, in life, and I've seen how you've worked in our nation I mean, personally for me, and, and maybe for you, you can remember those moments where you, where you look back in your past, and there were certainly times where God's presence was so real, and more real than other times, where there was this moment where you're sensing God's power, and it was so evident that God was moving, and God was working, and, and God was doing this thing, and God was doing that thing, and this thing was happening, it was like, God, we are just, this is humming along, and then all of a sudden you wake up one day, and you're like, uh, no, I know you can do it, God, because you were just doing it. And now you're not. 
And Habakkuk is like, God, would you renew that again today in our day? God, I know that you can. God, I know that you can do it again. God, we need you to do it again. Habakkuk uses this word that's translated, the word renew, the Hebrew word is chawa, basically means to revive, to restore, to make something new again. And what Habakkuk is saying is, God, we remember what you used to do. We've seen and we've heard. Would you revive that again? God, we know that you can restore. We need you to do that once again. God, please do it again. Habakkuk is saying, God, we, we've been thrown in the ditch. God, God, our circumstances are more than we can really handle. And we're convinced that you are an awesome, powerful, amazing God. And we are looking for you to renew us. God, we are looking for you to help us begin climbing out of the ditch. See, life is inevitably going to put us in the ditch at some point. And none of us want to stay there. And if we're going to climb out of the ditch, we probably need to have a plan of action. Like, God, help me work through this. Help me understand how I can lean into you because we're going to need God. If we're in the ditch, we're going to need God to work and move and enable us to get back on the road again. And we're going to have to lean back into God to say, God, I haven't seen you working. I haven't seen you in the action. That's why I'm in the ditch. So, God, would you make it possible for me to begin climbing out of the ditch and get my life back in the direction that I want it to go? And the tricky thing is we're in the ditch because we don't feel like God has responded. And to get out of the ditch, we're going to try and lean into God even though he hasn't been responding. We're going to say, God, I know you're capable of doing the exact things that you're not doing, but I need you to start doing them. I need you to begin working in my life. So how do we do that? And I think there's three things that we see Habakkuk do, three things that we can apply directly to our lives that can allow us to begin climbing out of the ditch, that can begin to give us hope that it's possible to get back on the road again. The first action that we're going to take when we're climbing out of the ditch, the first thing we're going to do is remember what God has done. Remember what God has done. Look back and remember his faithfulness. Look back and remember his character. Look back and remember the goodness of God. Remember what God has done. That's what Habakkuk is going to do. He's going to go through and he's going to begin looking at some very tangible, visible triggers. Some triggers that will begin to help him remember some spiritual memories of what God has done. I think all of us know about things that trigger memories, right? Like, there's smells that just trigger memories, right? There's, you smell apple pie, and you're like, mmm, grandma's house. Mmm. Others, like, you smell mothballs, and you're like, mmm, grandma's house. Like, it's, <laughs> it's one of those likely, right? We don't know. There's all kinds of things that, that, that trigger memories, all kinds of different things. It, it could be a song. It could be a song. If you're my age, anytime you hear the Air Supply song, I'm all out of love. I'm so lost without you. You think about that very first couple skate. Right? And your palms get sweaty because she's really cute. And you're like, oh, I don't want to fall down. And you can smell the stale popcorn and the cleaner that they spray in the skates to make them nice and fresh for the next person. You're like, that's not working at all. Different things trigger memories. And what Habakkuk is about to do is he's about to go down this sort of memory lane of God's goodness and God's power. Verse 3 is what it says, it says this. It says, God came from Taman, the Holy One, from Mount Paran, Selah. Man, all these words, I have no idea if I'm getting them right. His glory covered the heavens and his praise filled the earth. Now you might be going, okay, that doesn't make any sense to me. Basically what he's saying is, 
as God's people, as the Israelites, we know exactly what you've done, God, because you came in when we were in slavery, when the Egyptians had us in slavery. God, you came in and you rescued us. God, you led us out of Egypt and you took us up to the Red Sea and it looked like we were going to die at the Red Sea and then the Red Sea parted and you made it possible for us to walk right through. And right after we walked through and as the Egyptians came in, the water closed up and took them out. And God, now you, then you brought us to this very place that we're at right now and you gave us this land and you helped us become a new people and a new nation. Habakkuk is saying, God, we remember that you brought us to this place. And oftentimes, God would have them build an altar to remember what God is doing and what God has done. And that's what Habakkuk is doing. He's like, these are the anchor points that we hold to. I mean, Jesus does this later on, where Jesus says, I want to give you an anchor point to hold on to. I want you to remember what I've done. Jesus is like, I want you to drink some juice or drink this wine. And I want you to remember my blood that was shed for your forgiveness. I want you to eat this bread, and I want you to remember that my body was nailed to a cross. My body was broken so that you could be forgiven. So that's what Habakkuk is doing. He's like, remember, we're remembering God, we're remembering. Verse 4, he goes on, he says, His splendor, God's splendor was like the sunrise, rays flashed from his hands, where his power was hidden. Plague went before him, pestilence followed his steps. He stood and shook the earth. He looked and made nations tremble. The ancient mountains crumbled and the age-old hills collapsed. His ways are eternal. God looked at nations and they trembled. I had basketball coaches like that. You know, you're, you're, you make a mistake and you look over and they're looking at you and you're like, no, I'm not doing that again. God looked at the nations and they trembled. Mountains crumbled under his feet. He is eternal. His splendor is like the sunrise. And then Habakkuk goes on. You can read it for yourself. Jump into it. If you open to Habakkuk, good luck finding it. Sort of in the middle, really small, verse 7 through 15 of chapter 3. He goes on and he begins to detail out all that God has done. And all of the ways that God has displayed his glory and his power through nature. And talks about and hints at things like how God guided the people with fire. And he guided his people with a cloud. And remember how heaven, uh, bread fell from heaven and how God sustained us with that bread. How, how he parted the waters. How there were moments where God shook the earth so violently that walls tumbled down. How there was torrential rain that poured down to defeat their enemies. How, how God used pestilence and plagues to save them. He's like, God, we remember what you're capable of. And now, God, would you renew those actions in this moment? And God might. He may do it right away. But whenever you and I find ourselves in the ditch, in the side of the road, when we're trying to, we want to see something new, when we want to see God do something that's different and change that situation, the very first thing that we need to do is remember what God has done in the past. Go back to what we know is true about God, even if it doesn't seem like he's doing it right now, even if it doesn't feel like he's in this moment. Remember what God has done in the past. Remember what your life was like, how lost you were, and how you were lacking direction, and then Jesus entered your life. And remember that this new meaning came. Remember how Jesus brought that person into your life where, where that relationship made all the difference in your world and changed who you are and what your life is like. Remember how God allowed you to have kids and how they brought joy and love and hope and some frustration. But remember how God brought all of that? Remember as a church, I don't know if some of you, all of you remember this. Maybe some of you weren't even here. Our very first impact offering. Do you remember how we prayed and asked Jesus, would you help us raise $9,500? And we we're like, we're probably not going to make it. Jesus, help us. 
Do you remember this last year at Christmas, our impact offering? Jesus allowed us to raise $52,000. Remember that? Remember how God allowed us as a church to help purchase property in El Salvador for our sister church? Remember how God made it possible for us to help them update their restrooms and update their computer lab and update their worship center and get new instruments? Remember how God allowed us as a church to to add a new covered entry and how he allowed us to remodel our patio and how he allowed us to put in new front doors, new glass doors at the entry? Remember back when we didn't have a garage door on the side of our lobby and we all squeezed through one little door every week? Do you remember how our lobby used to be a third the size of it currently? Like, we take out a third of that. That's what it used to be. Remember how God provided the opportunity for us to expand that? For me personally, I have to remember that for years and years and years, I dealt with celiac disease. And then God healed me. For me personally, and for some of you in the room, you have to remember that moment where you're sitting in the doctor's office and the doctor said, so you have cancer. And it's not so much about the day you have cancer, it's how God walked your family through that process. And for me, I have to remember that day when I sat in my oncologist's office and through all the medical advances and surgeries and all of that, the the oncologist said, okay, you're cancer-free now. Remember what God did? I know some of you are like, well, I don't have any of those dramatic stories. Maybe you're new to this whole idea of church and this idea of God, and you're still trying to process, and you're like, I, I just started following Jesus. And so maybe you're like, I don't have any dramatic stories, and you're just still kind of new to this whole thing. If you'll ask God, would you show me where you've been in my life? Show me those moments. Help me remember those moments. I mean, it might just be that you have to remember that time where, where you weren't really sure what to do, and you're like, I guess I'll just go to church. And you got to church, and all of a sudden it was as if like it was just you and God. Because it seemed like every song had been chosen for you, and every word that the guy on stage was saying seemed to be directly for you. That was God. Remember that moment. Remember how you were hurting that one time, and you turned on the radio, and all of a sudden the song seemed to be just for you? Remember that time you opened up your Bible, and you were just reading, and you didn't really know why you were reading, and all of a sudden you came across a verse, and it was like, oh my goodness. I don't know if this verse has been meant for anybody else in the history of the world, but thank you, God. Remember that he did that for you. It could be that the moment you were hurting and somebody came alongside and prayed with you, remember that God sent that person. And when you and I are trying to climb out of the ditch, the very first action that we have to take is we have to remember what God has done. And remember God's glory and remember his deeds and remember God's power. And say, God, would you renew that again in my situation? I know you've done it before. I believe you can do it again. And then the second step is to accept what God is doing. This doesn't mean we're just going to roll over and just be like, well, I guess I just take it. This is what it is. It's saying, okay, I'm in the ditch. I'm acknowledging I'm in the ditch. And maybe God has spoken directly to you in the same way that he spoke directly to Habakkuk. And for Habakkuk, at some point, he argued back with God, but then he was like, okay, God, you've said this is going to happen. You said you're going to do this thing. I just have to accept you're going to do this thing. And rather than just throwing our hands up and being like, this is not fair and this is not good, maybe God is saying, hey, there's some things that you can change. There's some things that you can do differently. 
And not that it's your fault that you're in the ditch. Sometimes it's our fault, but maybe we're blaming others. Maybe other people have done stuff that have actually caused us to be there. It's other people's fault that we're actually in the ditch. But maybe God is saying, hey, you know what? Um, I know you didn't get yourself there, but I've got some things that you can do that may not be all that comfortable. There's some choices you can make that actually can help us move forward. And sometimes as Christians, we just sort of want to bury our heads and be like, Jesus, just fix it all. And Jesus is like, I am going to fix it all, but you're going to do some stuff to fix it all. So we can't bury our heads. We have to accept what God is doing and be willing to follow the process. So maybe you go to the doctor and he's like, hey, your health's not good. You need to make some changes. You have to face the truth of that and make some changes. If your marriage is in trouble and you're struggling there, rather than just blaming your spouse, hey, they got to change, they got don't just bury your head in the sand. Say, God, what is it that you want me to do? God, what is it that I need to improve? What are the things God is revealing to you that can bring health and restore to that relationship? Sometimes people's finances are bad and they're like, but we deserve a new car and we want a nicer house and we'd like to go on the nice vacations that everybody's going on and end up spending money that they don't have. And they put their head in the sand and they're like, Jesus, bail us out. And Jesus is like, stop spending money you don't have. So oftentimes we just blow our money and we spend it all and then we're like, God, why aren't you bailing me out? I'm in the ditch. And he's like, stop spending money. And I'm not saying that we always end up in the ditch because it's our fault or that we deserve to be there. Sometimes we get there by other people's choices. Sometimes we get there by our choices. But along the way, there's times where God will come and say, here's what I'm doing and you can get on board with that and we have the opportunity to accept what God is doing. And recognize that in the process of accepting what God is doing, God can work more on our character and develop more of our personal relationship with him than we're not when we're not in the ditch. But we have to accept what he's doing. We have to accept where he's leading if that's going to happen. And for Habakkuk and for the Israelites, they just needed to realize the situation is out of hand. We have lost our way, and the Babylonians are coming, and they are going to invade, and that's what's going to go down. And even if they weren't going to like it, they needed to hear the reality of the situation and accept what God was doing. This is what Habakkuk says, verse 16. He says, I heard and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. His heart's pounding and his lip is quivering and his leg is doing the little shaky thing because he knows it's coming. And he's like, I don't like it, but I'm going to accept it because it's going to happen. And Habakkuk realized God said it was going to happen. It's not going to be pleasant, but it's going to happen. And what you and I can't miss in this is that when God spoke to Habakkuk, Habakkuk did not choose to put his head in the sand, but instead he just looked squarely in the face of it. He said, this is what's going down. It's not going to be very fun. Habakkuk recognized that a lot of innocent people might die. A lot of not innocent people were going to die. He might die. People that he loved might die. He didn't have to like it. He just needed to recognize that it was going to happen. And it was an opportunity to accept what God was doing and trust that God would walk him through it and that this God was big enough to handle the situation and recognize that God's sovereign hand has the opportunity and the ability to do whatever God needs to do. And when God has spoken, we have the opportunity, or when God is directing, we have the opportunity to accept what God is doing, even as difficult as it is to accept what God is doing. This is what I think it looks like in our life. We've mentioned a lot this morning about our friends down in El Salvador. We've talked about our sister church down there. And maybe we don't all recognize and know, but 
down in El Salvador, the environment and the culture is so incredibly dangerous. The, the neighborhoods are literally ruled by gangs. Guns, extortion, drugs, violence, very little value for life. That's how the gangs operate. We get to choose and accept what God is doing. And when I think about the situation in El Salvador, it makes my heart pound a little bit. And my lip quivers when, out of fear when I consider the life our friends have to endure. And when I consider the kids that are going to the school that the church is running and the situation that they grow up under, it, it makes my legs tremble and my bones ache. But we get to choose to accept what God is doing. And so we join with our friends down there, and we join in with the church, and we pray all the time for their safety, and we pray that God would, would change the situation that our friends have to live in. And it doesn't make sense in our mind why God would allow these violent gangs to destroy the lives and the culture and make it a miserable, dangerous place to live. We don't understand that. We don't understand. It doesn't make sense why God would choose to allow evil to have such an amazing influence in the lives of, of individuals who have done nothing to deserve it. But we get to choose to accept that God knows what he's doing. Because it's in that very environment where our friends have developed a faith and a trust in God that is so much greater than most of ours. And actually they have a faith and a trust that most of us are like, I really wish I could have the faith and the trust that you have. Because it's not being developed in our comfortable little reality. And in the situation in San Bartolo, we watch our friends and we see how they just pray with this ferocious intensity. And we watch in amazement and we're like, man, I wish I could pray like that. And we look at this church that's living within all these gangs and all this violence, and we see this group of believers who are drawn together and have a closeness in this bond that's deeper than family. And then we get to choose to accept that God knows what he's doing. And God is doing and working in ways that we can't understand. And we see a faith that we so desperately want, but it's coming through the fact that they're living life in the ditch. And it makes our hearts pound and our legs shake when we see the reality of it. But when we accept what God is doing, it helps us begin to climb out of the ditch. And it brings us to the last section that we take, which is just trust what God will do. So if we're going to climb out of the ditch, we have to start by remembering what God did. We accept what God is doing, and then we trust what God will do. Last verses, and these are probably some of the most powerful, richest verses in the whole story. So Habakkuk's gone through all of this. He's like, God, I don't get it. I don't get it. I trust you. And then he says this, yet I will wait patiently for the day of calming to come on the nation invading us. No oh, calamity, sorry. I can't even read English words. Day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, here's the powerful part, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. In our lives, what he's saying is, even when your spouse said, till death do us part, and then they didn't live up to their word, Yet I will still rejoice in the Lord. Even when you've done your best to raise your kids and they start making really scary decisions, yet I will trust in the Lord, my God. 
even when you've prayed for something to happen physically, for something to get better for you or for somebody that you care about, and they don't get better physically, they've actually gotten worse, yet I will trust in the Lord my God. And when the house isn't sell, selling and you're trying to get out from underneath it and nothing is, doesn't seem to be moving and you're afraid you're going to lose everything, yet I will trust in the Lord my God. And when finances are tough and it's 400 bucks to put gas in the tank, yet I will trust in the Lord my God. And even when we don't like the situation and we don't understand what's going on and it's like, God, you're not doing what I think you should do, yet I will trust in the Lord my God. We want to have that kind of faith. We want to have that kind of trust in God. We want to be able to deeply lean into God in these difficult ways. And God sometimes hasn't done the things that we think that he should. And the reality is the only way that we will ever get to that sort of faith and that sort of trust comes when we spend time in the ditch, when it's like, how is God going to do? I don't feel like God is doing what I need him to do. Yet I'll continue to trust in God to do the things that I need him to do. Even though everything isn't going great and things aren't going perfect, the faith that we desperately desire to have in God happens when we most need to rely on God. I mean, when life is going great, we don't really need God to be all that great. We don't really look, God, I, I'm going to trust in you. I'm going to believe in you because everything's going. That doesn't really ever grow anything in us. Without the ditch, there's no moment for us to ever say, even with all of the craziness, even with all of the stuff that I don't understand, I will still trust in the Lord. If we don't get in the ditch, we never get the opportunity to do that. Listen to how Habakkuk rolls, wraps it all up. He says, the sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go to the heights. Even when we're in the ditch and we don't understand the option that we have is to continue to embrace God, to continue to wrestle with God. As we've seen in this story, God's like, you can push back. You can say, I don't understand. I don't get it, but I still love you. God, I don't understand why you're doing this, but I'm going to continue to embrace you. Even if the circumstances don't change, they may, they may not, even though they don't, or if they do, God, I am going to continue to hold on to you. And what will happen if you and I choose to continue to remember what God has done and accept what God is doing and trust what God will do, if we're willing to do that in the middle of the ditch, we will be transformed and we'll begin to experience a spiritual renewal and we'll be revived and we'll reach a new place of trust and faith and dependence on God that we've never experienced before. And we will be able to say, my hope is in the sovereign Lord who is my savior that he's still God, that he's still Lord, no matter what ditch it is that we find ourselves in or what ditch we find ourselves trying to climb out of. One of the things that Jesus did is he said, I want you to remember the greatest thing I've ever done to help you climb out of the ditch. Jesus said, I want you to take communion. And when you take communion, I want you to remember my blood that was shed so that you could be forgiven. And so he said, I want you to take this cup and I want you to drink it. And as you drink it, I want you to remember that your sins are forgiven. And take the bread, and as you take the bread, I want you to remember my body that was broken. My body was broken so that you could have life. So he said, do this, and remember what I did for you. This is the start of this process of climbing out of the ditches. Remember what God did for us. And at Silver Creek, you don't have to be a member. You don't have to be a regular attender. You don't have to go to a class. You don't have to say anything. But you just, 
if you believe that Jesus did that for you, if you believe that he died for you, then we invite you to come and take communion. And the way we do it, we've got three different stations. You can come to whichever station is most convenient for you. There's one in the back and then two up front. Each station, all the, everything's gluten-free, so just go whatever's most comfortable for you. But in just a moment after I pray, just come and receive communion. Take the bread or the cracker and dip it in the juice, and then you can eat. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for this incredible way to remember what you've done for us. Jesus, would you allow this process of communion for some of us to maybe be the beginning of working through and climbing out of the ditch that we find ourselves in simply because we start by remembering what you've done and accepting what you're doing and trusting what you will do. Would you allow this time of communion to be one of of great renewal and restoration. In Jesus' name, amen.